the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. We're back after a long period of time. We, another whole new pod is coming your way. I'm your host, Lucas Nelby, and with me... Jacob Kellogg. So, first things first, we apologize for our lengthy, month-long hiatus. It's definitely the ideal way to start a new podcast. Absolutely. It was always in the, the plans for us. Something's got in the way. We had the holidays with Thanksgiving. Uh, I was dealing with some health issues. Busy with work on, on this side. Yeah, Jacob was busy with work. I Just to make a long story short, on my end, I had a root canal. So in the lead up to that, I was dealing with jaw pain, just general not feeling good, probably because of an infection in my tooth. So not fun stuff. So this all kind of culminated into us not doing an episode for a very long time. But... We're getting you your present this year. We're getting one in before Christmas time. And what better movie for us to cover than the 1998 Disney Channel original movie classic, Halloween Town. Halloween Town. It's spookily festive. Oh. I say it's a classic because I think this is definitely one that is held up in high regard in the pantheon of 90s kids nostalgia. About, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, Jacob was very excited to watch this. And definitely remembered large parts of the movie. It's also, we've gotten into the first DCOM franchise. There are at least, as of now, four Halloween Town movies four. total. I, I, I have three total. So we get to look forward to at least three more uh, entries in the Halloween Town cinematic universe. It's got spooks, it's got frights, but like the Fast and the Furious movies and a lot of Disney Channel movies, it's about family when you get down to it. So before we get down into it, as a result of us having this long hiatus, this episode is also going to be a little weird because trying to break up, we usually just watch the movie and record immediately afterwards, but we try to split that up. So we watched the movie about a week and a half ago at this point. So definitely not the ideal way to do it. So we ran through the Wikipedia entry, we ran through our notes, try to reacquaint ourselves with the picture. So hopefully... This isn't too off, but if we're stumbling around talking like a bunch of fools, we, we at least have an explanation for it this week as opposed to the other weeks. With that being said, we'll get right into the good old Halloween Town. So, we always have to fixate on how these movies open. Oh, so, yeah. this one is a very fittingly spooky opening with a slow zoom in onto a jack-o'-lantern up into its candle inside of its mouth. And then we get a quick smash cut to just halloween night there's kids out on the street trick-or-treating all over the place and it seemed i would say it's like the busiest group of trick-or-treaters i've ever seen i don't know if it's just that we've lived in minnesota all our lives so sometimes halloween can come on a very cold night but i'm not used to seeing that many kids outside Super packed. and then we see uh sophie the younger sister the, the younger of the sisters looking out of the window and possibly um, some foreshadowing um, from her, but I, I won't hint on that for you. <laughs> yep, so we get a, we're get we zooming in or panning into the Cromwell house. That's our main family. Sophie, as Jacob said, was looking out the window, but there's no kids going up to the house. Everybody seems to be avoiding it. And Marnie, who is our main character, the oldest of the Cromwell children, is inside with some of her friends, and she's getting into a bit of an argument with her mother, Gwen, about going to a costume party, which Gwen just 
does not want to have anything to do with. Will not allow. She can't go to a costume party, but her friends are like, why not, Mrs. Cromwell? She's into weird things. She should love everything about Halloween. And the mother, Gwen, is just like, just get out. Get the fuck out of my house. Gwen's not a fan, and neither is uh, brother Dylan. Yes, Dylan, who fits into the, the super nerd archetype established with Gilbert in Under Wraps, where he's got the glasses and he's just a dweeb, and he's all like, well, actually, Halloween sucks because candy's bad for you. He's and talking mad crap about Halloween. And, and, then, he, and then he starts talking about Arbor Day, Arbor Day, saying, you know, trees aren't important too, you know. Yeah, Marnie, why aren't you into Arbor Day? So he's just getting up in Marnie's business like a good, annoying little brother would do. And Marnie's just like, eh, parents don't understand. And already at this point, I'm like, Marnie kind of sucks. Yeah, she doesn't If she's supposed to be the relatable, likable person in this movie, she's not getting off to a good start. I'm wearing on Sophie. <laughs> I don't know. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, then Dylan just asks Marnie, why are you so fixated on Halloween? And she kind of just goes into the general things. Like, it seems Halloween is a pretty cool holiday. Yeah, I don't think you really need to justify why you're into Halloween. You know, candy's awesome, costumes are fun. It's just a generally good holiday. But also, Marnie mentions that mom and dad met on Halloween. That's right. And then Dylan says, don't talk about that. You know that makes mom sad. So we already get a little uh, reveal that Gwen is a single mom raising the Cromwell children and that uh, their father... Later we find out he's dead, but he is out of the picture for some reason at this point. So then we get a shot of outside of the house and a school bus, a magical school bus, no Mrs. Frizzle involved though, flies in and then just a stop sign shoots down or a bus stop sign shoots down into the ground. And then we get the great reveal of Grandma Aggie. Debbie Reynolds. Played by Debbie Reynolds. Uh, that's meaningful to somebody. I've even looked up her IMDb and I don't remember. But she's a, you know, a very grandma type. She looks like Miss Marple or I don't know. But she comes out of the school bus because it is just a school bus. It's not like for this to be a magical bus, you'd think of something like, I don't know, the magical buses in like Harry Potter where they're like double decker buses. They're like something, but this is just. It's, it's like a short bus. Yeah, it is just a school bus that they had access to that they yeah. repurposed as this spoiler uh, transport from mm-hmm. Halloween Town to the mortal world. So Debbie, or I'm going to, yeah, this is going to throw me off. Grandma or Aggie, Aggie. We'll, we'll call them alternatively. She gets out of the bus and floats down like a straight-up spooky Mary Poppins. It's okay, Disney owns it. And then also, she has a magical bag left up on the bus that moves on its own. It's kind of kind of like the magic carpet in uh, Aladdin, where it has its basically its own, its mind own mind, yeah. And it is reluctant to come along. And the one thing I just really felt when this was all going on is that nobody sees any of this happening. Nope. This is happening out on, I almost said Christmas night, Christmas on the mind, everybody. But Halloween night, there's trick-or-treaters everywhere. Her being dressed as a witch, because she's just a straight-up witch. Yeah. No, like, that's one thing. But for this just magical bus to be floating there and nobody say anything, I was like, okay, whatever. So then we have a, a scene cut back into the house where the little sister, Sophie, again, is she's being scolded by her mother in the kitchen because Sophie really wants a cookie. But Gwen, 
does not want her to spoil her supper. But Sophie really wants that. Really wants a cookie. And manifests psychic powers to move a cookie. But her back is turned away from the cookies, and she's just like, oh, I really want this cookie. So this cookie is floating behind her towards her, and Gwen intercepts it and then eats it before she can get it. After she was, yeah, after she was just told by her mother, you know, no cookies. Yeah. So we're getting a little, again, I wouldn't even call it foreshadowing necessarily. It's just straight up shadowing that Sophie's a little special and has some definite powers. Grandma appears at the door, comes in to greet the children, and it'll soon be revealed that she is a real witch. But I don't know how these kids have never been, like, ticked off to that, because she just looks like an actual witch. I I think Sophie mentioned that, how she had liked her her grandmother's, you know, outfit. Yeah, so we do find out that uh, Grandma only is able to visit on Halloween night. And usually for only a few hours. Human, human mortal hours of... of oh, yeah. We'll get into the, the, the debate of Halloween hours. Town hours versus yeah. normal Earth hours. It's very confusing. Yeah. So I guess she can get away with looking like a witch as just saying it's a costume. She's but... like 5,000 years old. She's <laughs> old. She comes in, is handing out candy. Uh, and from, from her from her magic bag, her yep. bag full of off-brand generic candy. Yep, it's the the kind of candy that when you got it on Halloween, you would throw, throw it away or gave it to your parents because this was old people candy. Just candy, and there's decorations, and there's outfits. But there's three weird outfits. The the one on Dylan and had called a pimple outfit, I believe. Yeah, Marnie gets, like, a princess outfit. Yeah. Dylan, he gets, like, a, a warrior thing. Troll. Uh, yeah. Was, I don't, what was Sophie's? I don't know. It's, it's been a <laughs> while. But going back to the candy, I just think that's so funny in movies. It's kind of like in Christmas movies where you see Santa's toy shop. Yeah. And it's, like, all these toys. But since they can't, you know, pay for the licenses. You know, kids, they want video games. Yeah. They want... Things that have name brands associated with them. So they can't put those in a movie. So you just get like dolls or like wooden blocks or horses and stuff that no kid would ever want. And then we have this situation with this candy that no kid would actually want. But they have to be marking out for it when really they want Snickers and Skittles and stuff like that. So yes, they got the the spooky presents and costumes. And then Grandma uh, mentions that it's special because it's Marnie's 13th Halloween. The spooky, unlucky number. Uh, they set settle down for dinner. They have, I think, some kind of like fried chicken or something. That'll come into play a little bit later. Grandma mentions that she can only be there a few hours because they're like, Grandma, why don't you come visit us more? Why, why do you have to leave so soon? But to make the most of her time there, uh, Aggie reads them a bedtime story. Halloween Town. Or she just starts telling them about Halloween Town. So yeah, she's telling them about Halloween Town and then about how, oh, it's so awesome. There's witches and monsters. And Marnie asks if there's banshees there. So once again, another callback to Under Wraps. Somebody, uh, the Disney Channel, the DCOM uh, production team, very into banshees. Uh, Yeah, I still don't really know what banshees are. Dylan, being the, the intelligent, enlightened child, says... Grandma, I don't believe you. And that's when she busts out a book just called Halloween Town. So she's flipping through it. She's, you see a bunch of different pictures of monsters. And then also a picture of a witch that looks suspiciously like Marnie. 
And Sophie says as much, and then you just get a good shot of Aggie just kind of look, looking at Marty like, uh-huh, yeah, huh, yeah, huh, yeah, huh? winking. I w- I w- I'm winking right now, but it's an audio podcast. You He's can't winking. see. Uh, and then Gwen, the mother, just bursts in and is like, I'm not having any of this. And in so many words, kind of tells Grandma to get the hell out. She says, Grandma's got a bus to catch, so let- let's move this along. So then mom and grandma are arguing in the kitchen. The crux of their argument is that it's Marnie's 13th Halloween, which is the last night she can become a witch. To start training, yeah. It is very much the story of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Mm. Except instead of it being her sweet 16, it's the 13th Halloween. And during this argument, they're disagreeing and the mom just wants Marnie to live a normal life as part of trying, I don't know, get it back at Gwen, the mother, uh, Aggie turns some fried chicken on the counter into a real chicken. And at, at this point too, Marnie was, had creeped downstairs. Yeah. Uh, Marnie was dropping some eaves in the words of Samwise Gamgee. They kind of settle the idea. Okay, sure. Marnie's going to stay here, but yeah. then grandma approaches the subject that, she also wants Gwen to come back to Halloween Town, because that is where she lives, yeah. because she's worried that there's just been some weird stuff. There's darkness coming back into Halloween Town. There's people that are changing and disappearing, and Aggie's just very concerned about what this might mean. The mom, not too worried about it. She's like, and eh, they move. I mean, I don't know where you, if yeah. there's a different Halloween Town, like a suburb of Halloween Town, but she says, not a big deal. I'm not coming. And then to really get back at her, the grandma turns all of the leftovers in the fridge into chickens. Yeah, she's a she's a real piece of work, that, that Aggie. That Debbie. Yep, that Debbie Reynolds. So Marnie sneaks back up to her room after hearing about this and then goes and talks to Dylan to discuss it. Because Dylan, he again, he's the intellectual. And, of course, being the intellectual, the constant skeptic, I bet he could have some good YouTube channels out there, uh, he does not believe her. Marnie asks him, but why do you think our house is so weird? It's obviously because we're witches. Why wouldn't mom want us to talk about magic or Halloween or other things? And I was just like, uh, I don't know. You could just be, like, evangelical Christians or something. The households that were like, no Pokemon, no Harry Potter. Like, I feel like there's more obvious explanations than... You're a witch! Pokemon, they're the devil's workers, man. You're a wizard, Harry. Uh, I'm a what? You're a wizard, Harry. (laughs) Alright, we'll we'll cut it off there. Uh, Marnie and Dylan do end up deciding that they're going to... I think maybe they look out their window and see the bus come down to pick up uh, Aggie. So Dylan's like, well, there there must be a logical explanation for this. Always. So he wants to see if it's true, and also if Marnie is just straight up crazy. So they sneak onto the bus through the emergency exit at the back, because again, it's a school bus. I don't know, I, I assume regular city buses must have some kind of exits, but it's very convenient for them to go into the danger zone and then hop into the school bus through the emergency exit. Once they hop on, they see uh, a Frankenstein-esque kind of dude, they see like the Black Lagoon Monster, couple witches uh crackling up yeah they all they all i, I said they talk like new yorkers am i i said i i thought i talk like a new yorker new York, uh, <laughs> i 
I don't know quite what their accent was, but it's even a little, like, old-timey. Like, hey, you see here, Halloween night. Might have been, like, ghosts. Yeah, the ghosts I can understand, but, like, some of just, like, the goofy monsters were just, they were just talking weird. So, they're kind of just taking in this whole scene of all these monsters around them, and then they... Dylan's like, oh, well, maybe they're just coming back from a costume party. But then they hit the dimensional portal, and then yeah, stuff space, gets... time continuum. Yeah, it's getting all trippy outside. So, Dylan is a little less sure. Uh, and then, long story short, they arrive in Halloween Town. Uh, it's still Halloween night in the mortal world, but it's just regular daytime in Halloween Town. And Halloween Town mostly just looks like a regular town, except it's populated by a bunch of... Monsters and... Yeah, they look like Bad Goosebumps yeah. characters. Characters out of, uh, you know, Scooby-Doo movies. Yep, Scooby-Doo. Get it in there. Uh, but as they're exiting the bus, because again, I, I think they try to sneak off of the back or something, they lose sight of Aggie. But then they also see that Sophie had followed them along. Because... Sophie! Yeah. That, that is a regular exclamation of people in the movie. It's just, Sophie! Because she's a, a special little kid. I, it's implied, again, with her, like, her special powers had, like, alerted them to her. That, like, she heard them in her dream or something. It's not super important. We also see, when they're getting off the bus, the giant... Um pumpkin that was featured in the halloween town book but the uh the the light's not on there's no candle um flickering it looks kind of sad i think sophie mentioned that it looked kind of sad yeah it's just in the the town square right there it's a prominent decoration there then they're approached by the mayor calabar who tries to warm up to them and say oh hey how's it going and then he pulls a lollipop from his ear ear to give to sophie and I was very pleasantly surprised that Sophie was like, no, that's gross. And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, wait, is she actually going to take this earwax lollipop? And she didn't. He's excited to hear that they're Cromwells. Yeah. They say, oh. Children of Aggie, yep. but children of Gwen. Yeah, and says, oh, I'm going to hook you up with a ride to your grandma's. Send you along on your way. From Benny. Yep. Uh, Benny, who is the... Fast-talking jokester cab driver. He's a an animatronic skeleton. Yes. And it's funny because Dylan, trying to be rational and explain how Benny could work the way he is, says he's probably animatronic. Ding, ding, ding. Which is, yes, it is. he is 100% animatronic. It's just a, I don't know, a weird fourth wall break, maybe? It was done really well, too. I mean, I, I think that was probably one of the most impressive aspects of this film. That's where all the budget went and some of the, the extra side monsters. There's a werewolf that shows up later in the movie whose makeup is just absolutely terrible. Just to give myself some props, I should mention here that when as soon as the mayor starts talking to them, I was like, yo, this guy is evil. He's the, yeah. <laughs> he's the villain. I, I did not confirm at the moment, but... yeah. Because it's like, he's like the only other like named human character. And I just, I had some kind of spidey sense alert going off for me. So they hop in the cab with Benny. Benny's driving them through Halloween Town, kind of pointing some stuff out to them. Yeah. And he warns them that it's probably going to be pretty dangerous for them to be there on their own, just as normal humans. And to specifically, watch out for Luke, who is... A local boy. Human, just looks yeah. human, natural. He's just, you know, a young, you know, looking punk, like a movie punk kid. Straight out of... Just uh, leaning on a, a wall or something. Something like the Outsiders or Grease, maybe. 
he's mostly unassuming, especially within this realm of monsters that, no, this guy who just looks like a human is the one you need to be worried about. So they get dropped off at Aggie's, but they're halted in their progress by a locked gate. Marnie can't open it. She's just banging on it, pulling on it. She starts arguing with Dylan about how to open it. Dylan's like, well, you're a witch. Just use a spell. But Marnie can't. And then Sophie, again, being super powerful, having all these latent innate abilities to her, turns it into a frog, and the frog hops away. But this all happens when Dylan and Marnie have their backs turned. We hear the the, the gate creak open, and they turn around yeah, so they're like, Sophie, how'd you open it? She said, oh, I just pushed. And they're like, no, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. So then we cut into the house where Grandma is cooking up something. She has... Which is Yep. And she's using some kind of, I assume, magical microwave because on it, the buttons just say things like bubble, bubble, toil, and trouble that she all hits. And I was like, that's fucking stupid. And I hate this movie. <laughs> but then she's interrupted by uh the kids grandma immediately says guys you can't be here you have to go home your mom's gonna be so mad but they convince her that oh well we can stay right and she says okay yeah that's fine you just have to get back by midnight so we have set up this arbitrary time limit to add some urgency to the film i believe when she mentions the midnight thing is when the whole how much, you know, how, how how long is that in Halloween town? It could be one hour, you know, if we're on vacation, it could be one year, you know. Yeah, so, so as Jacob alluded to, so yeah, we have this timeline set up for to have some sort of urgency in the film, but immediately the rules are made meaningless because there's no sense of time there. Two hours could be two weeks or days, nothing matters. Yeah, yeah that was a real sticking point for me, but I will just have to move on from that. Then Aggie conjures up in her cauldron a seeing spell to show the children kind of what she's concerned about and working on here. And that's when we get a first glimpse of the big bad, the villain of the movie. Well, big (laughs) big spoiler. I mean, I already said he's probably evil, but for now, the the evil or just the darkness that Aggie has been referring to just kind of looks like your run-of-the-mill. Phantom of the Opera. No. Phantom of the Megaplex, what? Uh, uh, no, just, you know, like a ghoul or something with a dark cloak on. Uh, Grandma tries to restore an amulet or scepter. It's She refers to it as the talisman of Merlin or Merlin's talisman. It really just looks like a cheap prop that a king or a magician might use in a movie. Like something you could buy at a costume store. Which, probably was. Which can be said for a lot of what you actually see in this movie. It doesn't work, and she makes some comment of, well, that's what I get for using instant, which, again, is some dumb joke of comparing. Yeah, uh, just, no. Okay, <laughs> moving on. So she's like, well, this is what you get for using instant, so let's start from scratch. And she's all set to do that, and the kids are going to help. Meanwhile, uh, Gwen, back in the mortal world, where it's still Halloween night, yeah. discovers that her kids are missing. And... That's all we get from her for right now. Grandma, back in Halloween Town, starts to fill the kids in on the lore of Halloween Town as they're walking to whatever their destination is to find the ingredients. And basically, Halloween Town, the residents of Halloween Town used to live in the normal world, but I don't know, ancient times, disagreements with people, they've since been banished to Halloween Town. And 
That's why the two worlds are separate right now. Grandma sees one of her friends, who she actually saw earlier in the movie. As normal. She was normal, but but like Lucas had said, you know, like people have been changing, people have been disappearing. And this lady, when when, uh, Aggie sees her, she's turned into some evil-looking witch kind of out of her mind wacko. Yeah, so earlier she was just like one of the the normal human residents. Yeah. Which I guess any human resident of... Probably Hall- Yeah, has to be a witch of some yeah. kind. But now she's turned into, yeah, some kind of troll-faced thing. And that scares Aggie. She then comes into contact with the mayor, Calabar. Yeah. And tells her yeah. that her friend has changed. And that yeah. basically with what she's experienced, that means she's probably going to be disappeared in a day. The mayor says, eh, don't worry about it. And then... Aggie's like, no, but, like, seriously, dude. And he's like, okay, but, like, just give it a couple of days, and then, like, we can deal with it then. They stop at a broom shop that is run by what I would describe as a guy from They Live, what the alien creatures looks like an, there. An Elvis, uh, Elvis vibe from the yeah. kind of talking like Elvis. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he, I wrote in my notes, he's a super rad talker. Yeah. A good salesman. The brooms looked cheap as fuck. The, yeah. Not even to say that the brooms Just and like Harry... A, like, straight out of the broom closet. Yeah, they're made out of plastic. They look like complete garbage. Not even to say the stuff in Harry Potter might be, like, super cool, but, like, those are at least brooms made out of straw and stuff. So they hop on to the brooms, uh, or Grandma and Marnie hop onto the brooms, fly up, and... Quite the ride. Yeah, good, good, uh, good effects to show that they're fl- definitely Sick green screen, definitely flying in the actual sky. Uh, and Marnie isn't the one actually navigating the broom, but then Aggie switches it over and says, "Now you fly." And Marnie's like, "But I don't know how." And I guess the explanation to using a spell that Aggie gives is just, eh, like sometimes seeing is believing. Or you just gotta believe. And then Marnie, I guess, believes and is able to make the the broom fly so then they return back down and that's when they we get our first in-person encounter with local boy local rascal punk luke but luke just does seem like trouble because he just goes up and starts hitting on marnie immediately like hey you want to like go on a date or something luke is the quote-unquote town douchebag yeah and marnie for very good reasons having never heard anything about this guy except he's trouble and he just seems like a dick Says, no, go away. So he's like, yeah, you'll regret this. I have powerful friends. You should go on a date with me. So he walks away. And then we get my favorite line from the the rad talking cool guy selling the brooms. He says, Luke turned into such a wiener. (laughs) And then mom Gwen gets in and is like, oh, hell no. What the hell is going on here? And it, yeah, with the mom, I don't know if it's showing that like she like took the bus or anything. She just like appears in Halloween Town. I guess she was a witch, but can't dig in too much into the minutia of Halloween Town. Otherwise, I will go crazy. Mom's like mad at Grandma. Grandma explains, "Oh, they like you know they followed me. I didn't bring them here." And Mom's like, "You're coming home with me right now." And I just find Gwen to be a good mother. She's relatable. She's correct in. Not wanting her kids to, like, live in Halloween Maybe town. Maybe a good mother, but not a fun mother. No. We all strive. And it's definitely the intention that we're not supposed to agree with right. Gwen. Yeah. But as I've grown older, I've found a lot of time in movies, like, the overbearing parents. 
just kind of seem like they're the good people in this situation. Marnie is the one we're supposed to like, but she's just an obnoxious teenager. And that's probably what I'll get with a lot of these Disney Channel movies is I'm not no longer the target audience. Uh, Gwen drags the kids back to the bus station where we get a little treat with it's a well-worn trope or just kind of character in these magical lands. But it's a two-headed the guy who's taking the tickets is like a two-headed guy. So they're arguing with each other. Being like, oh, don't drink that espresso. I hate caffeine. It's going to get me so wired. So I found them pretty funny and humorous. Marnie is just being, again, obnoxious. And then the mothers sit here. She goes and talks to the ticket takers. They give her kind of like the go around, but basically tell her the bus is not going to be back for several hours. Yeah. Halloween town hours. I, again, I don't know the, the calculations, the, the transfer. <laughs> yeah. So Gwen goes to see the mayor to see if they can sort something out. And not knowing who the mayor actually is, and Calabar actually used to know Gwen, maybe imply they had some sort of romantic past. Sexual relations, who knows. Sure. (laughs) Uh, So he's all like, hmm, Gwen, you look great. Oh, kids, that's cool, too. Uh, he gives her a rose. I think he magically conjures it or something. As the warlock he is. Asks her on a date. She turns him down and just says, hey, what about this bus? And then he's like, eh, yeah, sure, I'll take care of it. And then he has to leave for some reason, I think. Uh, then we get Aggie, who's walking on her own now, separated from her family, because Gwen has come and repossessed her children, which is her motherly right. And then she's confronted by Luke. Who Luke tells her that he knows the big bad dude. And that he, the big bad dude, wants to meet Aggie. And Aggie asks him, like, what's his name? And he's like, bitch, you don't know? And Aggie's like, no, seriously, I don't. And he doesn't tell her, but he leads her into an abandoned... Yeah, an abandoned movie theater that I think Jacob saw written, uh, written on, like, the marquee. Just that closed forever or something like that then back in the mayor's office marnie is arguing with her mom saying it wasn't her mom's decision to decide whether she should be a witch or not which and to give marnie some credit is maybe a fair thing that she should have been included on the decision making but sophie sees through the window sophie (laughs) sophie sees grandma and luke going into the theater and then alerts to the rest of the family, so they're like, ah, that seems kind of like a bad situation. So they all follow Aggie and try to get into the theater. Aggie comes face-to-face with the big bad, who we had seen previously in the cauldron. And she also sees that he has trapped some of the residents, including her friend, in the theater. And they've just been... She's like, oh, you killed them, because they're just sitting in the seats, not moving. And he's like, no, I froze them in time. They're- I can use them for my... Yeah, he says, I'll use them later, and then he never actually uses them, so I don't really understand his plan there. Yeah. So, we get a really good look of the evil dude, who's just green-faced, and it seems like the the makeup, or the mask he has, is not really super movable, and I don't mean to be mean or anything, but when he's talking, it kind of looks like he has Bell's palsy, where his mouth isn't moving. Uh, Wrestling fans will know that, uh, Announcer, JR, good old JR, 
suffered from Bell's palsy and his, his mouth didn't, doesn't move. And he got made fun of for that. I'm not saying, you know, to make fun of it. It just l- looks weird with this guy. The shade, the bad guy, the bad shoots guy. some magic at, uh, I had to say, shoots bad magic effects at Grandma. And I think she was able to, like, fight him off for, like, a bit. A little bit. Uh, there's a bit of a distraction because uh, Gwen and the children bust in. Luke goes up to try to stop them, and uh, Gwen mutters some kind of spell, which causes a bunch of flowers to appear all over Luke. And she's like, oh, I I said the wrong thing, but she kind of just, like, shoves him aside. And then the grandma loses her fight with the shade, and then also Gwen also gets hit by a spell. So they're both frozen in time. In their seats in the theater. Yeah, they're able to, you know... They've fallen and can't get up, but they've fallen into a nice comfy seat. Or as comfy as theater seats can be, I guess. As they're freezing, Aggie is still able to get off some words. I'm not to the... dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually dying. Uh, go. Just freezing. Uh, <laughs> save following yeah, so she says, oh, you guys have to do this now. Go finish the recipe. So the kids get out. As they're opening the door to the escape, some light comes in. And they kind of notice that... The big bad. Yeah, he doesn't like the light. Which actually isn't really relevant. But <laughs> a lot of, a lot of yeah, this... Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Later on, yeah. We, we build up some like, lore and stuff, and it just does not come to play at all. So, uh, they need to finish the recipe. Which calls for a hair of a werewolf. Yes. One of a ghost, and a vampire thing. So, first on their list, the hair of the werewolf, they go to a Halloween Town Barbershop. Yeah, which by the the lion the well he he's supposed to be a werewolf but yeah he werewolf. looks like he you know like the cowardly lion type makeup yeah. not the the full you think of like a werewolf where it's oh, hair yeah. all over and this but guy he, but he he is a barber and he trims up he yeah so maybe he's styled his hair but it's really only on the top of his head yeah marnie kind of infiltrates the situation and is trying to get a part time job or something. Yeah. And he's kind of like, no, go away. But he turns his back to her, and she just takes a, ca- a pair of clippers and just shaves off a big chunk of his head. And then they run away, and, and then... then he likes it too. Yeah, he, he looks in a mirror, keeping in he mind that the patch of hair that he lost is on the back of his head. Yeah. He's holding up a mirror and says, maybe I can make this work. Yeah. But he can't even see anything. No. Just putting that out there. That aside... Then they move on to the sweat of a ghost, which is a gross thing to have to get. And they're kind of like, where will we get this? And they go to a gym, which if I was an eternal being with no corporeal body, I would definitely still want to work out. Not true. I I don't even work out enough as I should be right now. But they go to a gym. They're not finding a ghost immediately, but then they go into a sauna. And they see a... A large, uh, portly ghost mm. going into what you might call like a steam. A, yes, that's what they call it—a sweat yeah. box. And they were like, "Is that a real sweat box?" And he was, he was stout. Yeah, a stout ghost who ended up coming out very, very thin. Yeah, he went from thick to thin. But I don't know. Marnie just doesn't want to go up and like collect his sweat or even ask him for sweat. I mean, if this is something that's in a lot of witch recipes, he's yeah. probably used to people asking him for some sweat. But she has to be all sneaky about it. So she asks Dylan to distract the ghost. And Dylan does... I, I can't even remember some of the things he says. He just starts sparting out some, like, facts. And the ghost is like, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. That is interesting. All right. You can go away now. And, 
crank it up, the heat way up. Yeah, so it's getting really hot. He's kind of concerned, the ghost is, asking for help. And then Dylan is feeling, uh, he's not really distracted too much anymore. So then Sophie throws on a sheet. Sophie! Sophie throws on a sheet that she finds and just starts pretending to be a ghost. he is offended. Yeah, it's highly offensive. And he's like, yo, uh, don't stereotype us ghosts. We're not all like that. She's just all, ooh. Not even a very, like, good fake ghost. And he did it better yeah, so with this all happening, Marty just runs up with a little bottle, gets some sweat off his nose, and then they run away. Yeah. And then he comes out of the steam box, and he's really thin. Big underwear. Yeah, kind of a, I don't know, Three Stooges type comedy or yeah. something. So then last on the list is a vampire's fang. And for that, they go to the local Halloween Town dental office, where luckily a vampire is getting its fang yeah. taken out, which... I didn't know vampires could lose their fangs. Yeah, I think I f- just die. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty important to their abilities and yeah. character. And the dentist is a very creepy-looking figure. Yeah, big nose. I don't know. Was... Yeah, big, long nose, yeah. kind of just looking like a troll. And then he has some off comment like, well, it's okay because I'm the tooth fairy. And it's that's, like, yeah, I never... Even after seeing the the Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie, The Tooth Fairy, I wouldn't think of The Tooth Fairy being that horrific. So they get all of their supplies. They're heading back into town when they run into Benny, the skeleton cab driver again. And he tries to give them a ride. He's evil now. He's he's turned too. Yep. Jacob's girl Sophie, with her infinite powers, senses that he's possessed by the shade. Which, again, it's... Not something, like, we see those people change before, and maybe it's implied that they're possessed. So maybe this is, like, him finally uses a lot, utilizing one of, like, the members of his army. I don't know. I could see that. Uh, but they hear that from Sophie, and then they kind of fight him off and escape to Aggie's house on their own yeah. to finish up the, the witch's brew. They get all the ingredients in, but then Marnie realizes she doesn't remember the spell that she had said earlier. Ima, bake Ima, theory, bake Bosco, something. Jacob apparently remembers him. This was a week and a half ago. Uh, Marnie tries to come up with some different spells. It's quite funny. She just says some random stuff and it just doesn't work. Luckily, though, Sophie remembers what the nonsense words that Aggie had said earlier because she put it into a song because that's the thing she does. Oh, how convenient. Thanks. That's how that's how Jacob remembered it. But they say the words, but it's still not working. And then Marnie remembers her lesson from Aggie when they were flying on the broom. And that spells just need you to want them to work. Which I don't know if she was pretty deep. not wanting it to work before. But, you know, it's kind of a life and death situation. Believe in, it, believe in the spell. Yep. Believe in the heart of the cards spell. What? Okay. Uh... And then it works, and we get a, a great line from Dylan, or it might have been Marnie. She just says, because they're restoring the talisman, Merlin's talisman, which has this kind of big orb on the end. Yeah. So it's restored, and light starts coming out, so one of them says, it's lit! And then, yeah, so then me and Jacob just immediately turned to each other and say, said fam, because we're cool like that. They take the, the lit talisman and return to the theater, uh, but they aren't able to wake up grandma and mom with it. They're able to get into the theater, no problem, no no bad guy shows up, yeah. but it's not waking them up. 
And then through some leaps of logic, I don't even really remember how she gets to this point, but Marnie decides that she has to put the talisman inside of the jack-o'-lantern, as Jacob was good to bring up earlier in the episode. It wasn't lit, so they need to get to that and light it up. And I think this is what some people in the business might call uh, a deus ex machina. Something that solves a problem basically just completely contrived and it makes no sense. But hey, it works. Uh, so they're heading back to the town square when the shade, the big bad, yeah. appears. He starts turning the sky black. So I guess that ties to him being able to appear not during like the light. But again, you'll see, find out why none of this really seems to matter or make any sense. So he appears and starts telling the town that he's trying to bring back the Halloween town residents to the real world, world and that they should no longer have to be exiled to the separate world which actually seems reasonable you know as you know he maybe is doing some bad stuff to get there but i feel like he's justified in wanting that to work out for the townspeople and then it's revealed that as i mentioned earlier that the big bad guy is actually calabar the mayor and he just reveals himself which again why did he i mean up to dealing with aggie he could have used the disguise, but when he was approaching the townspeople, he could have just said, hey, this is my plan. This is what I've done, and this is what I want. He didn't need to first show up as the shade guy to just reveal that he wasn't the shade guy. And then again, all the stuff with, he can't go into the light, and blah, blah, blah. Didn't matter. Did not matter. So then, while this is all happening, Marnie is making her way to the jack-o'-lantern, but then she's stopped by Luke, who says, no, I'm a good guy now. It's a trap. Don't go in the jack-o'-lantern. That's what he wants to do. And Marnie didn't want to believe him, which I kind of agree with her. It sounds like something a bad guy would say, that I'm no longer a bad guy. But she ends up actually believing him. And Luke takes... uh, Marnie was wearing a a, a cloak of some kind. He takes it and runs kind of as a decoy to distract Calabar. Uh, Calabar thinks it's Marnie, shoots him down with a spell... And then finds, oh, it's not Marnie. Where's Marnie? Oh, she's on the pumpkin, about to put the talisman in there. But then he shoots her with a spell that begins to freeze her. Drops her, yeah. Uh, but, conveniently, she still somehow drops last, the staff. second of energy. The Merlin's talisman falls right into place into the jack-o'-lantern. So then Marnie wakes up, Luke wakes up, the people in the theater. Big light comes out of the, um, the jack-o'-lantern then. I mean, it was, it was finally lit. It's, I, I it's lit, fam. Calabar, like, blocked his head. And- Jacob was making a, a dabbing motion. I think he's trying to yeah. say that uh, Marnie dabbed on Calabar. Uh, Mom and Grandma wake up, and they come out to confront Calabar. But he steals the talisman or something from the, the pumpkin yeah. and tells them that he plans to rule both worlds and that Gwen really should have gone on his date and become his queen. So I don't know if that's implied that why he wants to take over the mortal world is maybe because of something with Gwen. His motivations aren't really super clear, though I do agree that it sounds fair to the Halloween town residents that they shouldn't be exiled to their own world anymore. Mom and Grandma try to combine their powers to magically stop him, but they aren't able to overpower him, even with like Sophie and Marnie getting in. But... Our boy, Dylan, Dylan, hasn't had a lot to do so far in the movie, but he awakens to his powers. And I, you know, making good on my Bell's Palsy comment earlier, this is just a typical 
Hollywood trope, the man having to save the day, rescuing wow. the women. It's just, it's sad. Disney Channel, you should be better than this. He's got, yeah, he's got the little sparks coming from his fingers, and, and I, either Sophie's like, Dylan, look. Dylan! Sophie! Sophie! Uh, and with that, the Cromwell family is able to overpower Calador with their... Calabar. Cal- yeah. Calador. At this point... I eventually went back and rechanged some of my notes to have his name right, but at this point, I'm just like, what the fuck is his name? Calador? So yeah, you you got a peek behind the curtain that, uh, yeah, at this point, I was writing Calador. So Calabar is overpowered, and then for reasons to mostly set up a sequel called Halloween Town 2 Calabar's Revenge, he is absorbed into the talisman to fight another day that might just be a few years down the line. Gwen and Marnie make up Gwen apologizes for not understanding, and Marnie reciprocates, says, oh, I, you know, I wasn't understanding and trusting you, so that's all cleared out, and again, good Disney Channel fashion, a lot of stuff gets wrapped up very quickly here at the end. Quick ending. Uh, in one of my favorite reveals uh, in the movie, Luke comes out, and it's shown that he was actually a troll. Calabar had made a deal with him to make him into some boy yeah he wasn't even like that good looking oh, uh just a human yeah human boy. just you know a street punk so he comes out and he said something along the lines like well it wasn't even worth it because i couldn't even get a date with you marnie yeah. uh and i kind of was just like what what yeah so i then i think they end up hooking up and everything's all good yeah marnie gives him a kiss and i just have written here why what has he done to really deserve a kiss? I think he just she kisses him on like his forehead or something. So it's not like that huge of a deal, but it's like no talk. Come on, Halloween Town. We didn't need you to fill in like all of these different tropes where we needed the forced love story because this is really just they had interacted basically two times before this, and now she's just infatuated I mean, with him. I was kind of hoping Gwen and Calabar get back together. <laughs> Kind of did, in a sense. Well, well, uh, who knows what happens in the sequel. Along with this super quick resolution, oh, it's decided that Grandma Aggie is going to live with them. What's going to happen to her estate, though? I don't even know how that's allowed. If she was only ever able to visit for hours on Halloween, how she's even allowed to go there. But then Marnie's like... I think that was probably based on the mother. The mother saying she could only hang out until the the portal closes kind of thing. Uh, I don't, yeah, maybe that's the case. Again, not really clear the logistics involved with going to and from Halloween Town and the mortal world. But Gwen is going to be the one to train Marnie and not Grandma. So fucking take that, Aggie. Take it and shove it. Uh, and then the family just hops onto the bus. It takes off, flies away, blasts off. Yeah, they're waving goodbye. And then it's until the movie has a sequel. So that was Halloween Town, another one in the books, and hopefully it won't be as long to our next one. Uh, so, Jacob, you were a big proponent of Halloween Town. How did you feel it held up to your memories? Watching again, I, mean, I remembered a lot of the, the fun little, I mean, watching it as older, maybe don't appreciate, you know, some of the things, you know, being being younger, but I, I thought it was still, it was still a fun, a fun idea. For a movie, I guess, like, like a Halloween town, it's always Halloween. I think they actually do something like this out in maybe Oregon. There's kind of a town, I think, dedicated that kind of has like a Halloween town. When Halloween does roll around, I think they have the big um, pumpkin 
Alter as well, which is which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun premise as long as you don't remember that a different Disney property had kind of come up with it years before called The Nightmare Before Christmas, which mm. is a, a a much better movie. But but not a Disney Channel original. Movie. No, if only. Uh yeah, I I kind of felt it's weird to say this, but that maybe Halloween Town was a little overhyped. That the idea that there's people out there hyping up any of these Disney Channel movies, but yeah, I kind of was underwhelmed. It's a good premise, but they kind of things get rushed together. Where oh, we kind of you know halfway through the movie they just established what Halloween Town was, and then it's like oh, but now we need to have some kind of plot or conflict. So then it's introduced with Calabar. Oh, let's get a love story. Let's throw that in. It's just. Yeah, so I have hopes for improvement True. with uh, with the franchise as it moves along. They just had to get that money built up. This is what got people really watching the Halloween or Disney Channel. I mean, it it certainly was the the first. I mean, I guess Brink as family members were hearing about us watching Brink and recording the episode. They're all like, "Yeah, Brink, shit, that shit's tight. I loved that as a kid." And I'm like, "I don't know anything about it." I ended up liking it a lot. Uh, Brink, Brinkman, or whatever the fuck that kid's name. Brinkman. He he's my he's my number one still. But Halloween Town was definitely the first one that I knew by name. So now we're getting into some of those heavy hitters. Halloween Town, Smart House is on the horizon. So exciting times ahead for us. And if you want to get in on some of these exciting times, if you like, you can email us at a, a whole new pod at gmail Comments, questions, criticism, hopefully only positive, constructive. We're very sensitive here. Send that to us there. You can also follow us on Twitter at a whole new pod. Uh, I have here in my notes written that Jacob sucks, but he is devoted <laughs> to doing a better job. Not that we've had a lot of content to really put on our Twitter feed, but going forward, we'll try to do as much as we can there. Would, would like to note this too. Um, I, I just looked up what our next one is. Xenon, girl of the 21st century. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Oh, shit. That is a, that's a fun one. I just noticed that the setting on her microphone was something that it's not usually, so hopefully this didn't sound too weird. Yikes. <laughs> As I said, it's been a while. Uh, some more housekeeping. Rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Hopefully, if the audio was yikes on this episode, that doesn't affect your rating too much. Uh, you can follow... Jacob on Twitter. At, Jacob underscore Telegram. Yeah. Before, I didn't really have much to add, but this time I have a little fun extra thing that you can follow me on Twitch. Ooh, that's right. Yeah, so follow me on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash fat underscore tomato. Uh, and that's partially why the setting on the microphone was off, because uh, I had it a little more behind the scenes. We aren't just recording on multiple microphones. We aren't that. We aren't that. Uh, Hollywood, we're not that upscale. We're just doing it on one microphone. And usually we have it on a setting where it's receiving mostly from two ends. I had it where it was mostly receiving from the front end. So that's why you probably got a whole lot more of me than Jacob this episode. But hopefully you won't even notice. And I could fit this all in post-production or something. Then definitely we're not going to get another episode out before Christmas and probably not even New Year's. So... Happy holidays to everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yep. Uh, it's already past Hanukkah already. That was earlier in the month. But yeah, all of those things. Happy Festivus for Kwanzaa. For you 
Seinfeld fans. And with that, uh, I am going to take the outro this week because Jacob is not dependable. (laughs) And I will say to all of our wonderful listeners that remember, anything can happen on Halloween. Town. What? What? Show the world. Let them know it's Halloween. Hit it! I wouldn't change places with anyone tonight. We'll carve pumpkin faces and watch the witches' flight. Every human heart will shudder Every soul will shake with fear Tonight, the creepiest Tonight, the scariest Tonight, the most wonderful Turn into a cat There may be a toad In your bass guitar Or your sister could turn into a bat Christmas time Brings the snow Summertime Brings the sun But on Halloween Your blood Begins to run Something spooky is going down Better than a video Gremlin's gonna mess up Every cassette from London to Idaho 